0: Comment and share, It's folks. It's Friday. It's time for Vellas. Get your notebooks, get your uh, coloring books, whatever you need to write on, because there's going to be a lot to go through today. We're going to run over an hour, so Vellas has a lot, to, a lot of ground to cover. So, without further ado, Vellas, what's going on, buddy? How are you?
1: I'm good, V. How are you holding up?
0: I'm holding up, man. I mean, I'm holding up. Before we went live, you and I were talking about how yeah. we're 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 surveying the entire land, the entire Sphere of things, and if if it's not on fire, it's smoldering. So <laughs> that's what we are.
1: Yeah,
0: and <laughs> the Titanic is uh, v- taking on water. You
1: know. Yeah, v-, v and I were talking, folks, about some people we know in the financial industry who right now are just uh, freebasing Adderall um, yeah. because because of. <laughs> Uh, I make fun of it simply because, you know, as I often joke with all of you, my, my perspective is born of both an ethnic background that has just had its ass handed to it in a number of fine countries, but but also the stuff I've seen where I'm, I'm channeling my inner Dustin Hoffman from Wag the Dog, where everyone is upset and saying, oh, my God, this is a serious problem. What are we going to do? And Hoffman, because he's worked in Hollywood, is like, this isn't a problem. Two Italian primadonna's whacked out on quaaludes. That's a problem. This is manageable. <laughs> so... I look at what's especially here in the United States. You know, many of the folks I know in the financial industry are just absolutely got sandbags around their either if they're working from home or the office, sandbags around their work areas, because their customers, understandably, are just losing their minds over what's going on in the market. Now, it's easy to say, well, you know, even after two thousand seven, the market goes up, the market goes down. Sometimes we have extreme changes. You just got to weather this out. Don't lose your mind. Don't freak out, etc. You know, that's, that's the Ross Perot joke about everything is local. Here in the, the mullahs of Iran are cutting off the hands of infidels. is a story on the nightly news, unless you're walking the streets of Tehran trying to get your employees out of the country. That'll make your fingers tingle. But people are really jacked up out there. I've been talking to folks in the transportation industry who've been discussing some, um, I don't want to say highly localized, but, but some localized outages of diesel fuel in yeah. parts of the country. I'm trying to get some more, some more yeah, I heard on that.
0: Washington state, uh, many gas stations have already run out of fuel or they're running out of fuel. And everybody's talking about $10 a gallon gasoline.
1: Yes. Uh, it was funny. There was some stuff posted on the internet where folks were saying, was that just a, uh, an edited meme or no. is that real? And it was the photo of the, of the fuel pump where they, they, they added another digit and, um, I just saw the article the other day where it was like it was Philip seventy six, I think, said no, that that was us, and yeah, we just added another digit to the fuel price. Yeah. <laughs> so again, you know, if you've been in Sweden or Norway or Finland and you've done the, cal- I was posting this on Discord the other day. If you've if you've posted, uh, terrible sorry, if you've traveled to countries like that, especially during during higher fuel price periods, if you do the calculation from liters to gallons. You know, in some of those countries, it's it's eight nine bucks a gallon, but for Americans, that's that's a major a major shock. So, we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on this, folks. And I know that uh, Discord will be vigorous uh, in the content that's going on out there. We've as usual, we've got some very good chatter uh, going on on the on the Discord site. So, little longer show today than normal. So just strap in. Um, I also intended on covering some detail about former President Obama. We'll have to wait on that for, for another program. Uh, I'm also building some content uh, to dovetail off Jet Blake's recent shows uh, specific to alternative ancient history. Um, you know, to be, to be candid with all of you, that, that's a topic I've been digging into for more than 30 years. Uh, I've traveled to a number of countries, uh, have visited ancient ruins and stuff in a number of different places. I've read a number of authors who've who've dug into that. There's some areas of that topic Jet's been digging into on spiritualism, the universe, you know, planetary orbits and things of that nature. I've got some stuff that I'm going to be pulling next week. We may do two shows next week. We'll see, Uh, but I want to get that detail in front of all of you, because that's that's a topic that I've dug into dug into heavily, and I've gone through a, a, a number of different interpretations about that topic, so we'll, we'll get into that soon. Today's program is going to uh, get a little bit into the country of Turkey, uh, adjusting your Twitter feed per uh, Elon Musk. Uh, we're going to have a ton of stuff on the power grid, and uh, some more websites to review, uh, an amusing corporate diversity training slide, and then we're going to get into a deep dive uh, on Robert Kennedy's book. About Dr. Fauci I've got a bit more on that topic and I've also had some frankly some revelations uh in that area that I want to share with all of you so uh, a correction uh both from discord as well as our rogue shows last uh Friday we said Matthew Arrett was going to be on quite frankly uh with the program quite frankly with frank uh i reached out to matthew he was on <laughs> he was on a show called frank uh, quite frankly but it's a different quite frankly than the one with frank <laughs> so uh apologize for the apologize for the mix-up um and uh frank quite frankly since his uh, love to all of us as, as we continue to, to uh kind of exchange and work work with uh, his show and i'm probably going to be appearing on Frank's show again here uh in the near term um Came across an, an amusing comment from somebody in the alternative space this week, where they said, "Quote: The danger we face is not repression through a boot, but through an algorithm." Unquote. Um, that's certainly thought-provoking, especially in light of some of the things Elon Musk has been saying on on Twitter. Because even right. even I'm rather stunned by stuff Elon has been saying. I mean, it's like. Our, I don't want to. I don't want to get into hyperbole, but it's like our worst suspicions are are proving woefully inadequate for how bad the problem was. <laughs> um, so uh, now Matthew Eric covered some of of the turkey topic this week. He focused on Finland, yeah. and for those of you that are on his reading list or his distro list, both both he and his wife uh, Cynthia have been producing a number of excellent articles that I've. Uh, you know, it's it's my my often complaint in situations like this. Geez, I've got to read these uh, uh, I've got to read these articles very slowly because there's a lot here, and I, I can't just do the Evelyn Woods speed reading paragraph as I as I go through his or his wife's content. Um, yeah, Turkey, folks, uh, it's complicated with Turkey. Um, separate from this matter of Ukraine and the NATO membership thing, Turkey has always felt a sense of racial exclusion. By the European Union, you know, yep. a, a Caucasians only club of which the
0: well, I mean, look at Germany, right? You, you have Turks that have been in Germany for oh my god, a hundred years plus. Yes, they're, they're not even granted German citizenship.
1: Yeah, and for you know, this is one of those things where where again, I don't I don't want to be flippant, but when I hear people in my personal life talk to me about you know, well, you know, America's history with racism and and this that and the other, and it's like, look. I've got friends from about, and I mean friends, not just people I know casually. I've got friends from about every walk of life you can imagine. I have friends who are Jewish, Christian, Muslim. I've got friends who are Sunni and Shiite. I cannot talk to them at the same time, obviously. But you know, I've got folks from India, both northern and southern India. The list goes on. So it's like, yeah, we, you know, I don't want to say we've all got blood on our hands, but but we've all got some serious problems in our in our various countries. I had some friends from India once lighting me up about America's racial history, and I looked at them and I said, Uttar Pradesh, and they're oh, like, yeah. well, okay, you've got a point. Um, so <laughs> it's it's like, okay, it's not just us, America. Now, Everybody a, in the, the world, fellas, go here's ahead. the
0: thing: if you're from another country, you come to America and you actually speak pretty good English, eh, you're American. You know, you're, right. you don't care, right? vast majority of Americans don't care. You go to Europe, you'll never like you know, you you, you can you can go to you can be born in Germany and never be German. You'd be born in Japan in Japan and never be Japanese. No matter how good you speak the language, you'll never be Japanese. You'll right. never be Chinese. You'll Guangzhou. Never be Thai.
1: Right. Well and I've I've got I had a a wonderful uh nanny uh when my stepkids were younger she was from western France and her parents came here and one of the first things we started joking about was the attitude of Parisians people of Paris versus the rest of France that it's like you know Paris and Berlin are almost like separate countries yeah. so you know in the European Union you know contrary to their holier than that attitude with the United States but but one would argue that that's just insecurity um, there's been a real a real problem with with Turkey and for many years uh, Turkey tried to join the European Union and, you know, from an international affairs perspective, folks, it was kind of sad because it's like the Germans kept or I sorry, the Turks kept doing everything Europe asked of them. It's like, well, we want to see that your economy doesn't have runaway inflation. It's like, OK, well, we've taken some rather painful national measures to do that. Now can we come in? Well, we want to see that your revenue figures are at least here. It's like, yeah, but we're doing better than Greece and Italy as far as our balances of accounts, right? But we want to see that your industry is at least, you know, before you can join the European Union, we want to make sure your, your industries are here, here, and here. It's like, well, okay. And in the final analysis, they, they still couldn't get in. And so the people of Turkey have always felt that this was very kind of racist and exclusionary. Yep. And here's a really old statement that's true even in the ancient world. Many people in Turkey felt we're good enough to die in one of your wars for NATO, but we're not good enough to join your economic union. Bingo. Our, yeah. Our people our people are good enough to die in your problems, but but we're not good enough to, you know, as the old joke goes, marry your daughter. So now Finland and Sweden might possibly join NATO in a fast-track process. Now, like I said, Matthew did a superb job this Wednesday. I'm not even going to go into what he was talking about, but he did a great job on the kind of Nordic country angle of the whole NATO thing. So here's Turkey, and now they're watching Finland and Sweden possibly joining NATO in a fast-track process. And you better believe Turkey's mad, and it's why they're threatening to veto the process. And (laughs) it's not just Erdogan, the country's current leader, ego at play this time he knows his country's people are as pissed off as he is yep. and this is some real ethnic stuff going on here and there's a lot of resentment going on in turkey about oh god alrighty, now now you're gonna let F- finland and sweden into nato but but you know we're but just the still
0: second st- most powerful military in nato is not allowed to join the european union i mean think about that for a second they're good enough to be part of nato right they meet all the criteria ukraine doesn't right but turkey meets all the criteria to meet NATO, but you can't join the european union unreal
1: unreal so um the other thing too that erdogan you know and this is this is pure power politics here folks this is this is the realism school from international affairs so while this is all going on and our media of course doesn't cover it much like our media is not covering that, you know, Sri Lankans are, are hunting down their national leaders and yes. setting them on fire, and l- which I know we was exa-
0: talking about the other day. Let me ask you a question, fellas. How long do you think, uh, let's say, a say, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell would burn, uh, minute-wise? I I think with enough accelerant, it, 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 he can burn for a few hours.
1: What's the old jokes? Seven, seven minutes a pound on a rotisserie? Um, on a
0: rotisserie, yes.
1: Well, and, and I've, we're joking, folks, but I've said this on the show many times that when I was in Washington, D.C. back in 2009, roughly 2010, and I'm, I'm sitting in bars talking to staff members of, of U.S. House of Representatives, members and, and the Senate and other, other government people, when the '08 economic crisis hit, and as I've said, you know, I, I live in a fairly nice area, and I had very stable people in my neighborhood's homes going up on for, for, for foreclosure. And the fear across Washington, of we just don't know what to do. And their constituents saying, yeah, we can't wait till you come home. And the Secret Service saying, man, I hope you're not going back to your district for, you know, prior to the midterms because we can't keep you alive. There's, We've spoken to your constituents. <laughs> they're they're literally writing up the different ways they want to deal with you. Well, Sri Lanka went ahead and did it. Um, and you better believe there's some international leaders looking at what's going on in Sri Lanka going, Good. that that could be... That could be uh, Milan. Uh, that that could be London, if we're not careful. So, to close out on the Turkey topic, you know Erdogan knows he's got a large segment of his country that doesn't approve of his leadership and some of the stuff he's been doing. But you know the old saying goes: "The enemy, of my enemy, is my friend." And a chunk of the Turkish population may hate Erdogan, but they're going to back him on anything he's going to do with nato and the european union and he knows that so i also think erdogan's probably going to look for um some considerable uh concessions from nato although there are rumors now that certain nato countries are saying uh you know what? we should kick turkey out and it's like Good. boy i'd uh oh
0: that's beautiful I'd,
1: I'd watch your ass before you say something like that because if you you know it's like, probably the it's best like thing my, to
0: happen in the world well kick like, Turkey my, out of nato
1: it's like my joke about China. If you think a, st- a strong China is a problem, you haven't lived until you've seen what happened when China is afraid. Uh, you kick Turkey out of NATO, and it's like, man, you just created, although that may be their plan to, to start another war, you just created a possible uh, alliance with a whole bunch of other countries who normally the Turks wouldn't give the time of day, but it's like, well, hell, if the Europeans have kicked us out, let's never forget the fact, you know, Turkey, <laughs> Turkey's – Turkey's neighborhood is right up against the Balkans. Uh, that that could get really interesting. Uh, so, anywho, moving moving to a slightly lighter topic. V, would you pull up the? Uh, oh, and hi, CJ. Would you pull up the uh, uh, the Twitter thing from Elon Musk? The image I sent you.
0: Yep, coming right now, man.
1: So while he's pulling that up, uh, Musk this week pulled up the following on how to adjust your feed. Uh, you go to the home button and then you'll see some stars in the upper right corner of the screen and select latest tweets. Uh, this is Musk trying to make sure that we know how to work around some of the, which I find funny because it's like, he's trying to buy this outfit. And the first thing he's telling us is, Hey, some shit screwed up over here. Uh, You may want to adjust your feed. So I know I did it. And, uh, I will say, um, what do you call it? Uh, you'll notice the difference. So just, just a helpful user hint there. Uh, speaking of Twitter, uh, you'll recall the, the vigorous exchange at the end of last week's show with uh, V and myself on that topic, and CJ this week attempted uh, to have a show on the OMC channel on YouTube. Uh, where he was moving into that topic in a little bit more detail. Uh, they shut CJ off around a copyright use of the clips from the documentary. And I got to say, I don't know. I've it, never uh, seen that before.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: Well, usually like with this show, if I play a music clip and somebody claims copyright, you know, uh, rumble or similar, will we'll adjust our show a recorded version, uh, but not in the middle of it. But um, C.J. had some, some really good thought-provoking stuff he was getting into this week in his program, and, he, and he, one of the items he, he uh, identified during the, the piece of it he was able to get out, um, 80% of Saudi Arabian society is on Twitter. That's an incredibly high figure. And one of the other uh, items that came out uh, during C.J.'s show this week was is that a comment by, by observers of the Middle East who said Twitter is the Saudi Arabian parliament. And that's that's some powerful stuff. And as we've discussed, you know, the the uh, MBS and others had been using, to what degree we don't know, but it looks like more and more is coming out. Um, the degree to which Twitter was being used to both manipulate public opinion in the United States, uh, but also Saudi Arabia. And then we have Musk. You know, we were talking last week about the importance of Musk saying, geez, I think five percent or more." Of the total user community may be bots. Now, now we've got Musk openly saying is 90%, which I don't know that it's 90%, but is 90% of all Twitter accounts, are they bots? Now, let's consider for a moment if 80% of all of Saudi Arabia's society is on Twitter, and the number of Twitter users here in the United States is certainly in the millions. If 90% of the total community of Twitter users are bots, that's a gargantuan number, given all the actual people who really are on that social media tool. So the potential for disclosures of intelligence activity is immense. And as I speak to you today, Patrick Ryan uh, has really been getting active in some comments of his about how he's digging into this. And he's working with a number of data scientists because Patrick Ryan has identified a number of correlations where certain reporters lent their names to their comments on Twitter. But it appears that none of that was them. That it's just like basically somebody handed an envelope with money and said, "You'll concur that this is your account on Twitter," but then that most of these postings have certain, shall we say, uh, you know, computer-like algorithms behind what's being said. So as Elon makes his statements and as Pat- and Patrick's not alone in this, there's a number of other people out there that are, are now digging into that data. One of the things that made me scratch my head was, as I said, look, we've got a huge number of intelligence agencies are are leveraging Twitter. I mean, as I I was flippant about it last week, but I'm dead serious that that's what social media was for. Um, So just my opinion, there's no way Elon Musk is doing what he's doing without at least certain elements of our intelligence community telling him it's okay. If not, they flat out asked him to do it. Along with Peter Thiel and others. So then that begs the question okay, what what the hell's going on here? Do do we have perhaps a a uh, inter argument with inside intelligence agencies? Who knows? And then secondly, if somebody actually gets off their ass, the opportunities here for the SEC to vaporize uh, especially uh, social media firms out of Silicon Valley is impressive because you're you're lying about the operations of your business. I mean, it may not be public. You know, yeah. And as I said on last week's show, you know, and I, I don't want to use the word easy, but it's easier um, to make comments about physical asset industries, of which I know V is fond, um, where you say, well, your phys- figures show this, and you produced X number of cars, and you're lying about that. But I would go back to the comments I gave last week about the telecommunications industry, where not to the degree Silicon Valley does per se, but but you know when MCI WorldCom took a bullet and AT and T and Sprint and all the other major players were under immense pressure about hey wait a minute these numbers don't look right. A lot of that was financial, but a lot of that was financial based on how many clients do you have, how many individual people are using your your uh, information technology services across either the internet or phone or whatever uh, versus corporations. Because that's what led to the SEC saying there's no way you can sustain these financial figures if you don't have those clients. If you don't have those clients, then you're lying. Right. So it, there, I, you know, I need lawyers smarter than me, and I know a friend of ours in the audience is, is ready to tell me exactly t- to what degree I may be wrong or right. But there, there's, there is some precedent there in the legal community. We'll see how that turns out. So turning to the power grid. And V and I were talking about this before the show. I prepared some of this content and then it really started, uh, getting deeper here, uh, in the last 48 hours. And I got to say there's, uh, Tika boom, white hats are assisting Elon. Yes, <laughs> Uh, and Elvis is in the building. Uh, there's a lot going on, even even when CBS News and other mainstream media sources are, are getting deep into the power grid issue. It's either a slow news day and they don't want to talk about what's going on in the market, which is more than possible, or uh, the AP wire is just too active for them to ignore it. So, so here goes. I posted on Discord yesterday an article from Bloomberg um, that... Uh, the supply chain disruptions of coal and natural gas, as much as other impacts like recently retired power facilities, are all having a, a proportionate impact on our grid. Now, let me repeat on that last comment. You all knew that, right? With ever-increasing need for power in our national power grid, we've been shutting down power plants. Oh, yeah. We, we've been shutting down power plants, folks.
0: Yeah, because we've got to build back better, man.
1: Yeah. And thank you for the post there on the on the you, grid. You to there know,
0: it is. I, one of my business partners in Sao Paulo, Brazil, said it so perfectly. He said it so perfectly, fellas. You know what he said? He said this. He said, you know what the United States is? And I said, no, I don't know, Mike. What, what, what's the United States? He said, the United States is Venezuela with a slightly better currency. <laughs> Boom. Said that like two days ago. And uh, <laughs> this is where we are. Go ahead, fellas.
1: So, yeah, we've been shutting down power plants because a number of them have reached maturity. We've got some nuclear plants that have been shut down due to a number of reasons. Uh, I could get into that, but we're not going to go there, Um, which is a shame. Um, The other thing, too, is about the Western drought. Yes, that has impacted hydroelectric power. We've talked about that on the show. But here's a data point we may have missed. I know I missed it. I forgot about this. The water out of our river systems in the West that power those hydroelectric plants, it's not just a function of whether or not the water levels are high enough to power the hydroelectric generation, especially during peak periods. But that water is also used to cool traditional power plants as well. Uh, out here in the Midwest, many, many of our power plants are often located near rivers and things because they need that water to cool off the equipment, and cool off other systems. So if the water level's too low, That means they can't use that water to cool uh, the equipment in traditional power plants as much as hydroelectric plants. That's kind of a double whammy.
0: This this is unbelievable. So you're telling me, with all the bullshit water regulations in California and other western states that are blue, sheep-dipped blue, that they have royally screwed themselves and thanks to the drought has exacerbated a problem, which was always a problem and made it absolutely cataclysmic to the point where they're now... How are they going to plug in their Teslas, man?
1: Well, and, and I mentioned on a prior show that Mike Moore has gone into this of, of True Pundit. He's gone into this quite a bit of detail that you talk to people in the power industry and you tell them, okay, not to... And I was just watching an article on this the other day. I think it was Sweden. Uh, yeah, was Sweden has like some of the highest use of electric cars in in all of europe but again that's demographics and that's geography folks that's that's their populations and where they're centered are either in cities or they use trains to get into the cities so using electric vehicles in those metropolitan areas is a lot i mean hell when i was in washington dc i've often talked about the little zip car things where you get off the metro you grab a zip car use your same id card you use for the metro system but it makes sense. It's a highly congested city. You start getting out here into the Midwest or even down in parts of the rural south.
0: You can't survive on electric cars.
1: You can't. Well, not yet you can't. And, no. and as I've often said, you talk to anybody in manufacturing with whom I used to work, especially folks using software for computer-aided design, computer-aided manufacturing, product lifecycle management, the, the list goes on. Every one of those manufacturers I spoke to, hell, even the people at Apple, they all told me the same thing. Hydrogen. It's, it's all going to come down to hydrogen. It's just a matter of when. So it's either hybrid hydrogen with, with electric or it's going to be hydrogen. But the point is, Moore's comment was our grid here in the United States could not handle, let's say, we're moving 10% of all vehicles off the road. And that includes everything from trash trucks and municipal areas to small service vehicles to people's cars. If we moved 10% of the total vehicle fleet of the United States out and, and replaced it with electric we would blow our power grid yeah, sky high. We can't produce the juice to do yeah. it, and and it's not even a function of coal or not coal. I love also how certain people in, in the environmental movement. I don't know what the hell they're drinking. They're like getting jacked up over well no, these these dirty natural gas plants. It's like what the hell are you talking about? The byproduct is water and carbon dioxide. I mean, how much cleaner? Well, we tried nuclear, but that got you all worked up. So it's like now you're telling they, me I got not their, their they gas got the their problem.
0: panties in a bunch when we tried nuclear. Oh my gosh, um, Chernobyl, three mile island. Oh you ever
1: heard
0: so of the other, reactor?
1: The, no. The other part of this is uh I I would focus on the, the above board articles in traditional press keep saying so we're probably gonna see a lot of rolling blackouts or brownouts, yep. especially this summer, depending on what we're dealing with. Now my first thought was because it's me. Well easing the public into this event is a lot easier if you say it's rolling blackouts or brownouts due to limitations in the grid. That's a lot easier to explain. Just say, well, due to some, you know, it's like right now, if, you know, if you've even bothered to want to suffer through the press conferences at the White House, where every single issue on this planet, including the weather, is being blamed on Russia. Um, it's a lot easier to explain people being impacted by power supplies about rolling blackouts or brownouts than hacking. But wait, there's more. A Norwegian consulting practice recently discussed at a global power industry conference uh, within the past week or two uh, the expectation of more cyber attacks coming. Uh, They see a marked increase the next two years. And further, 85% of those attending this conference out of the power industry believe from prior experience any form of cyber attack is going to do more than cause systems to shut down. It will cause physical damage. And I've discussed on prior shows my days at General Electric where – the immense amount of time it takes to build a generator, a power generator, whether it's running on natural gas or something else. I mean, it's 18 months or more, and that's assuming your supply chains are okay. Also, a third of the executives attending this conference clearly and openly stated they're unsure how to defend against these types of attacks. Then we've got the small item of straight out of Langley or Tel Aviv was the announcement this week of... You guessed it, a Russian hacker group threatening to attack the internet, Uh, the group called KillNet, uh, which I believe is completely bogus for a very simple reason. There are many Russian hacking groups. I'll be blunt about that. I've seen the detail through the IT security side of things with folks I work with and also FBI InfraGard debriefings I attend or some of the stuff they've got on the, the website for members. But the thing about Russian hacking groups is they don't advertise, and most of them there's no other way to say it. They're, they're, they're tied to deeply criminal organizations. And of course, as the old joke goes, every time the school year restarts, hacking drops because they've all got to go back to school. But the point is, most of those groups are working for organized crime groups. And as the old joke goes, you don't want to kill off your customers. So the last thing they want to do is start undertaking something that is, is borderline an act of war. So to me, this is a planted story about, oh, look out, we've got Russian hackers, uh, the boogeyman. And then, of course, back to Mike Moore. Uh, you'll all recall, I talked a week or two ago about, about his disclosures. He's gotten the detail. He actually, the other, on his paid-for service, he literally was holding up the training manual uh, in front of the screen. And I can tell you, after attending a number of, of you know, trainings by FEMA and other federal agencies, uh the uh, homeland security the co- the content and the layout of the of the uh what do you call it the the uh documents and stuff people people use during these training sessions certainly looks legit to me the layout the way it's organized the government doesn't change much folks when it comes to debriefings there's a certain way they do this stuff so he talked about how in 2014 there was extensive training provided to state and federal agencies on how to exercise authority quote unquote if there was a pandemic of some kind. Now that was back in 2014. And as I mentioned previously, they provided forms, uh, local and state agencies can use references to legal rules uh, to enable them to enforce lockdowns or similar, depending on which way uh, a form of pandemic would go. Now, he has gotten into his hands just in the past week. The fact that training like that is already underway to the same audience On how to handle "quote unquote" forthcoming power grid failures. Now, one of the things I'm waiting to hear, whether from him or others, is whether or not the words "martial law" is is going to come into use. As I hear more, I'll let you know. So, the takeaway on this is something similar to other content we've done here at Rogue, and and I've tried to do on my show. I know Jet Blake kind of, or terribly sorry, not Jet Blake, but uh, help me, V. Our colleague who does a lot of the, here are the unknown parts of the economy, John Singleton. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, done enough coffee yet, folks. Um, you know, do what you can where you can. And and I know, you know, the last thing anybody wants to do right now is spend a lot of money. And I don't know that you need to spend, quote, unquote, a lot of money. But, you know, try to keep at least a half a tank of fuel in your daily driver where possible, rather than you know running around on a quarter tank or less. Check your home supplies of anything you would need if, shall we say, you're on an extended camping trip out of your own house. Uh, you know, Batteries, radios who can operate with a hand crank uh, or run on batteries or even solar. Uh, always remember canned soup has a long shelf life, as does rice and other items that you can easily make, uh, even over a fire. Peanut butter is a good one. Uh, the real stuff with the oil in it, not the, not the fake crap. It has a long uh, shelf life. It's got a good source of protein um you know my thing about water purifying tablets you don't need a 55 gallon drum of water in your garage but do you have water purifying tablets um in my own kind of prepping stuff i keep military grade mre bars not the meals but the bars um not saying you need to go buy one of those meal kits that you see that are out there uh but if that's your thing you do you um so i mean whether you live in earthquake prone california or hurricane damn it, man uh,
0: I, i bought 20 years worth of beef stroganoff well, why don't you tell me about these bars
1: well the the the, the uh for those of you who are unfamiliar, NATO came out with these these uh meal bars that because of all the different religious observances you know because you've got some people who can't have animal protein or whatever um they they've made them as acceptable to most people's cultures as possible they They taste kind of marginal, but they'll keep you going uh if you've ever been uh in into serious boating, Coast Guard often recommends you keep a couple of these on, on your boat and stuff in case you find yourself stuck out in the water without any power. But um, start thinking in terms of 30 to 45 days. I don't know that it would last that long. But, you know, go hit your local Dick Sporting Goods or a camping store. Go take a look around. Uh, I'm not saying it's imminent. But, again, the problem with any of these things is is when they, when they hit, there's no time to say, oh, geez, I, I should probably go pick up some stuff. Um, so just kind of plan ahead where you can, what you can. Uh, do do the best you can. Um, so now moving to the website segment. We started this last week. I've also decided to continue to, to tweak what I'm doing here with some of these websites. Um, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, but, but my intention I've decided is I'm going to weaponize all of you in the audience. Uh, I'm going to try and provide you more offensive weapons, if you will, through the use of the internet well prior to the midterms. So let me display a couple of these here. Can you see me? We can see you. Okay. So, this is the first, and I'm going to have a couple likes. In the old days, and this may sound strange, in the old days, and by I me in the old days, I mean like the 1980s and the early 1990s, um, there used to be uh, a series of magazines and publications by literally people in the intelligence community, uh, including in corporate America, a group called um, SCIF, S C I F. Uh, the Society of Competitive Intelligence Professionals, basically people who used Intel-like tools uh, to help corporations get get data on their competitors, is similar. Uh, all of which is completely above board. Um, so the first of these is is what you see on the screen, which is Covert Action Magazine, and here's a recent article of theirs, which is uh, you know how a secret army of propaganda experts in Ukraine, funded by the U.S., were used to win hearts and minds. And this is a pretty good publication. I do post some of this stuff uh, periodically on Discord. There are some people on their editorial board that are left of left. But I know who those folks are. And as I've said before, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I mean, they, they have very extreme views. I don't agree. Well, that's maybe a little too far down the road. But, but they've got some views I don't agree with. But when it comes to the well-being of the public, I know exactly where where they stand and so when it comes to what we're dealing with right now some of the stuff that's out here um you know i support the work work they're doing so you've got everything here about you know international court of justice about what went on in uganda top lies they're telling us about the ukraine war um general atomics getting paid to fly drones over the continental united states that's a that's a lovely fun one
0: that's great Um, uh
1: they're
0: just showing their love for us
1: Right. Here's here's one right out of Matthew Harrit's heart and mine as well. Um, we have a 240 year history of of cooperation and working together with Russia. So why are we, you know, why, why are we having problems with Russia right now?
0: Because we're ruled by idiots.
1: So That's the exactly next why. the next one is. Um, and I've talked about this on the show, and there's a certain somebody who's who's uh, a fan of the show, who who can speak to this better than I can, and and often leads our discussions on on Sundays when we have them on the seven o'clock kind of conference call thing. Um, got a lawyer that's a problem? Uh, well, here's how you do it: uh, the attorney ethics boards. So, for instance, this is the state of Tennessee. How to get started? on submitting an attorney for an ethical conduct issue. I shared with all of you, I had a lawyer in Michigan, got a little ornery in a court matter I was dealing with. I had him officially reprimanded by his own attorney review board in the state of Michigan, and within 24 hours of them handing it down, he took half of his areas of law off his page to say, I don't practice in those areas anymore, uh, just to avoid any more more problems. Uh, This is the discipline board for the state of Indiana, Here's Michigan. I know this one well, <laughs> and then here's Virginia. So my point is, you know, if if uh, and we're going to get into this a little bit a little bit more, because we're also going to start getting into. I've got a whole bunch of other sites I'm going to show you later about how to file complaints at the state and federal level with certain certain agencies. Uh, how you know, and you don't need to bring a legal action or anything like that. You don't you don't need a lawyer to do some of this stuff. Uh, I didn't use a lawyer when I filed a complaint against the, the Michigan uh, Attorney Review Board against the, the person in question. I did follow up with them regularly, but that's no different than uh, anything I do in my job. So we're going to continue to cover uh, things like that each week. Uh, and uh, and you, know, if you if any of you have any questions or similar, uh, and Fredo 76 how do I get on Discord? Uh, send an email to CJ. Uh, cj at rogue com, and, I'll take and we can, there. yeah, we can have you added. Um, uh, those of you who know me and those of you who don't know me, uh, feel free to, um, send me a note on discord, whether just directly to me or on the Vella's page. Um, and I'll, I'll take that into consideration. If you got some questions about, Hey, how do I do the following or where's the website on the following? But, but, um, it's, it's about time we start getting into, uh, some more specifics on how do you do the following. I, I know that we we had uh, some discussions one Sunday about with the person I talked about, about how do you get in front of school boards? How do you, you know, injunctions and things like that, which all sounds very scary and, and don't, you know, as I've often said, the legal community wants to scare, scare the shit out of you about how they function the same way government does and the same way finance people want you to believe that you couldn't possibly manage your own money. Which I'm not saying necessarily you should. I'm just saying you need to be able to understand what they're what they're telling you. So it's the same thing here. We're going to start working our way. We're going to start putting our big toe in the water, working through some of these websites and stuff. And the other thing too is how do you just get the information you need? Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get into some of that on my future shows. So uh, changing direction again. Uh, v, would you be good enough to pull up the um, bio weapons in Ukraine slide?
0: We don't have
1: bioweapons in Ukraine,
0: fellas. Those are, we all know this, they are all just bio research facilities.
1: Now, you guys have to love this. What you're looking at, this is from the Russian government. You haven't seen it because our media won't won't cover it, but... we need Scary Poppins to disavow this immediately. Where's right. Scary Poppins? Oh, she, she she's retired. She retired. So if you look in the upper left hand corner here, you'll see you'll see a double headed eagle with a little shield on it. That's that's the Russian Ministry of Defense. Um, so what they've got here is 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 the groups involved in the upper left hand corner. You've got various branches, the United States military, the CDC, the CIA, and others working through various sponsoring organizations of the money they've been given. Moving over into dual use research, if any of you need me to translate, uh, some of some of this is still in Cyrillic. Uh, if you need me to translate, just let me know. And then the materials go into the pharmaceutical corporations in question. Of course, these are all the names we're used to hearing, including but not limited to Pfizer, Battelle, Gilead, uh, and a number of others, Lilly. Um, and of course, I'm going to go there, folks. Anytime I hear Eli Lilly, I start getting heartburned because I start thinking of former Vice President Pence, It's about as owned as a human being. Isn't can Lilly be from Lilly. Indiana? You bet they are. Yeah,
0: you I, bet I they are. The, I went to the Lilly Mansion uh, that was over here. It was pretty interesting. I was like, huh.
1: Well, and and uh, a number of the Lilly executives during the various ups and downs of the economy in the '90s came over to General Electric. So I worked with a number of ex-Lilly executives that were working for ge divisions in the midwest and then after ge started closing up shop in certain areas amusingly those same folks went when <laughs> went back to lily who was more than happy to have them because now they learned a whole bunch of stuff about the way ge does things um hobo sermons i will post this to discord i think i did previously but no worries i'll i'll put put that stuff out there and folks when i do these shows if if i've used something and i forgot to post it to discord just tell me i'll i'll post it or i can send it to you directly and then here in the center, um, now this is, this is a little misleading because uh, you know we've got former President Obama and we've got Joe and we've got Hillary and we've got George Soros, uh, but there's some Republicans who belong in here too. But anyway, so this is the vicious circle of what's going on there uh, directly from the Russian government. And how did that come about? Well, that came about because of all the crap they've captured inside Ukraine. Now, uh, V, would you pull up that corporate diversity slide, please? I've had several people reaching out to me about their mandatory diversity training. I've even got some folks, uh, ironically, some of whom are defense contractors, who've told me that they have mandatory half-day sessions every week on some kind of a related topic. Now, um, BRBS World is a company that is one of the firms out there that provides this kind of training. I've looked them up. Um, They've got a kind of spooky group of leaders running them. I well, love um, the
0: uh, acronym BRBS.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, a friend of mine who attended training of a major uh, grocery store chain sent me this. Is they were being told how evil and and uh, horrible they are. Uh, this one leapt off the page because it was one of many where this happened. This is the trust and vulnerability slide and fostering inclusive cultures. So as they're talking about, you know, feeling vulnerable is okay and, and feeling engaged and, and this, that, and the other, um, it was not uncommon from what they told me that they've got a number of things where Hillary Clinton is often an image on the slide, you know, because she's all vivacious. about inclusion. She's right? vivacious. Remember what
0: Michael Moore said in his movie Sicko? She's vivacious.
1: So anywho, uh, mm-hmm. Just to show you the when when my friend sent me this, I was a little early in the morning and the coffee hadn't kicked in yet, and I I texted him back and I said, "What the hell am I looking at?" And he's like, "Oh, this is from our internal training. I I had to attend." Why do
0: they have the name Brene Brown on the bottom of a Hillary Clinton
1: picture? I'm not sure.
0: Is that Hillary? I'm seeing more than one piercing on her ears.
1: It could be a psyop. It looks like Hillary. Anyway, just just a thought. I'm sure I'll be getting more. Maybe of it's
0: a... her alter, the name Brene Brown. Well, Brene, uh, let me find out Brene Brown. I right, keep, keep talking.
1: So, yeah, so it's it's obscured because of the. Uh, I had to black out the, the images of the folks there on the side. Um, so moving into the Kennedy book. Yeah, it's Brene some... Brown. I confirm. Okay. That. My Gosh, my bad, she looks scary. Certain it's angles,
0: she, she could look like a Clinton, uh, Hillary. Yeah.
1: I, I think it's a psyop. Anyway. Yeah. Um, remember, be, be good to your fellow human beings. Um, there's always good books out there. And Robert Kennedy's book both informs but also provides another model. And there's some things about the book um, that I want to get into. Um I talked a couple of weeks ago on that on that two hour show I did about a model for use of of applying how you approach data and research in the field of international affairs, and that model you know can actually be applied to alternative topics as well. Um, you know the three layers I talked about and Kennedy's book on Fauci, in my opinion, encompasses both the second and the third approaches. The second being non traditional models and non traditional data, and then third level is folks like us here at Rogue, that, that we look at the really, I wouldn't say conspiratorial, but the, the stuff that folks don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole where we got to ask the question, yeah, but is there truth to that or not? So if you move beyond the, the COVID topic, Fauci's role in those events, et cetera, you'll realize this all goes much deeper. And Kennedy's book, if you look at it on a much wider model, demonstrates a history of medical control over the prior 200 years as well as the psychology of the people who, who achieved it. Um, think about my comments previously about things with a conspiracy-like aspect to them. Let's you know go with JFK assassination or things like Roswell. You can't find the answers, and the answers may not be what you necessarily thought they were, by going through the front door of that topic you have to usually study a very long history of many elements you got to filter out a lot of stuff that that doesn't apply or is disinformation and that eventually it leads you back to the original question about the historical event and the the covid topic is no different and it does in many respects begin with john rockefeller john d rockefeller standard oil particularly when rockefeller started being challenged successfully keyword by both the government and other high net worth people out there, you know, other peers of his own among the robber barons and Rockefeller and his ego uh, crafted a military like offensive to overwhelm his critics, stop the government, achieve long-term goals. And we have to remember by the time the government eventually broke up standard oil, because they weren't quite sure what they were going to do. They just knew that he had too too much of a monopoly over a number of areas. But by the time they broke up Standard Oil, his wealth and power actually increased. It didn't diminish it, and that's not by accident. So what did Rockefeller do? Well, he sent out researchers to study U.S. universities, healthcare providers, and state resources on several topics. This is all in Fauci's book. Rockefeller would build a full reconnaissance model before he acted, and he used the data to better focus on anything where petroleum or other business products of his could be leveraged. He then narrowed down his efforts on a number of few key areas, always making sure to build a public relations campaign behind it. And his charities and philanthropy work supported libraries and media organizations whose real purpose was to control information and narrative. Now, anybody opposing Rockefeller in those institutions was forced out or discredited or completely hounded out of the field. He then shaped higher education institutions in the medical field to promote his reputation and rebuild his damaged public reputation, and he also supported a massive change in how we approach medicine in the United States. Now, prior to when Rockefeller started getting involved in all of this, the United States in a lot of ways, and using our kind of contemporary terms, we still tended to practice homeopathic and natural medicine in the United States, and what happened is that model was replaced by a chemical-based series of treatments often tied to firms he controlled and opposed natural remedies or treatments.
0: Yep. That's when we made the shift from um, holistic to allopathic.
1: Yes. So a key part of medicine before Rockefeller and at the medical school level and doctors that were practicing was that the most important thing was a healthy lifestyle, clean water, quality food, and natural medicines contributing to a strong immune system. Now, the United States and various government agencies, especially in the early 1900s, started taking credit for a lot of improvements that occurred in the overall health of people in the country, and that did happen, but it took until the 1970s and 1980s before anybody admitted that in reality, yes, certain medicines and treatments did, did help, but some of the biggest things that helped the overall quality of health in the country was clean water and better quality food. Some of you might remember from history classes in high school or even in middle school, uh, people cleaning up the production of meat, uh, the muckrakers, yeah. people going out there looking into to how food was being stored, and obviously refrigeration. That's another another big one. So to oversimplify, the focus at that time was on the immune system. Now, we might all recall as well, as we've worked our way through the, the events of COVID the last two years, the focus by many folks, not just the Children's Health Defense Organization of which, of which uh, Robert Kennedy is part, but even here on Rogue and our Discord channels, and especially Frank, at, quite frankly, our, our Frank from Quite Frankly, uh, his health page as well, many of these, these approaches people have been taking to try and battle COVID or, or disease in general, is vitamin D, zinc, Q-certain, you know, the right kinds of fruits and vegetables, et cetera. It's not the answer, but it does help what? Improve the immune system. So the other thing too is, you know, Rockefeller's approaches and what became part of our medical industry was essentially the use of poisons to stop a disease and hope it doesn't kill the patient in the process. There was also a strong eugenics theme to Rockefeller's activity, but that's a whole other conversation. So whole sections of U.S. society, from academia to medical providers to the government itself, became dependent on Rockefeller's money as well. Now, after he died, that infrastructure kept operating, if I may, like a virus, uh, via his family members and others, which is no different than what happened after Cecil Rhodes died, where he also left behind a number of institutions, on that, that kept pushing his views on the international environment, and so on. So if we move the clock forward to the 1980s and 1990s, and we look at Bill Gates, Microsoft products become an indispensable part of American society and business, and Bill's ego gets the best of him. And he and Microsoft are accused of monopolistic and predatory business practices. Because as most people in the IT world knew, it's not like Bill had a very egalitarian management structure over there at Microsoft back in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, everything flowed down from him. And there's a series of lengthy U.S. government court battles with Bill that kind of revealed his true personality. There were a number of depositions and things that became public where you could see Bill's ego on full display. Also from his behavior in depositions as well, but also Paul Allen, his former business partner, and a number of other sources painted Bill as a megalomaniac on par with Rockefeller. Paul Allen was a good guy. I had a very
0: good friend who was very good friends with him.
1: Good guy. Well, and it's kind of the same with Wozniak. You know, No no one can be the confessor of Steve Jobs better than Wozniak. Nobody can be the confessor of of Bill Gates better than Paul Allen. Um, Now, Gates' response to him being attacked in the courts and in the public eye was pretty much Rockefeller's model. He launched a series of deep studies, Gates did. He created various foundations and charities. He became heavily involved in the medical field. And I've raised this before. If Bill wanted to improve the medical field, and given the preponderance of power and influence his his software products and other things had in business, as I've shared with you on a number of prior shows, because I've worked with firms trying to improve how they operate. I've even worked with a consulting practice that was helping medical device manufacturers um the medical field has been screaming for improvement for 30 to 40 years you talk to most folks in the medical field and they'll tell you that they're easily 20 years behind banks and insurance companies on how they use technology
0: oh easily i mean they just recently got out of windows 3.1 it's ridiculous
1: so, so bill you know there's a lot bill could have done if helping people in the medical world was was his goal and that didn't happen and of course he launched charitable giving programs And became more heavily entrenched in universities and their research departments. And he launched, Bill Gates launched a massive public relations campaign to repair his image. And as we've also covered on another show, Gates and his foundations have contributed massive money to the BBC and other media organizations who, what, were sitting on huge documentaries they were about to release and news investigative reports about, quote, other things Bill was doing. And that all stopped butt cold as soon as he started investing in those media firms. So a few years after Microsoft and after Bill resigned, he befriends and funds and supports another man who carried out very similar measures, but this time inside a U.S. government agency. And that man was Dr. Anthony Fauci, Mm -hmm. who had also monopolized his power inside health and human services behind the scenes in a component of that agency that we know as NIAID, N-I-A-I-D. Now, I've, I've walked you all through this before. If you imagine in front of yourself a little bubble... That says Health and Human Services, and then you've got two bubbles underneath that, and one a, a is a
0: director of a sub, you know, a, a su- sub of a sub a, a sub of a sub is the most yeah. powerful man in DC. <laughs>
1: yeah, you've got you've got CDC and another component, and yeah. then and then NIAID is is under that, but yet Fauci's power inside the agency is is uh, unstoppable. So. Fauci's approach from within, inside health and human services is like Gates and Rockefeller and many others. All three essentially built cults of personality to hide their objectives, sustain loyalty in those reporting to them, or for that matter, the media. And over many years, Fauci developed the ability to direct money to medical researchers and PhDs who owe him for the rest of their lives. Second, opposition to Fauci results in his destroying you or your ability to make a living in the field, same as Rockefeller. Fauci, in many respects, in the medical world is the example of ploma y plata, for those of you that know the narco world, which is lead or silver, where whether you're a law enforcement, a government official, a judge in certain parts of South America, you know the drug cartels will come to you and basically say, we're going to put you on the take. You're going to take money from us. And if you don't take the money, we know you're a problem or we're going to kill you. So the choice is yours. Ploma e plata. Well, that's fauci from inside the agency. there's extensive coverage both in in uh, Kennedy's book as well as other sources about you know fauci he fauci in many respects he reminds me of of uh, to to quote from Hunt for red October of the heady days uh when i t was growing beyond its natural boundaries in the nineties and there was just absolutely no restraint on on executives or or corporations um there was an excellent book um the, the byline of the book was called CEOs Gone Wild, but, but um, it was a profile, a, a book about the profile of the psychology of Jack Welch, of the executive running Avon Cosmetics, of Chainsaw Al Dunlap, one of my favorites, um, and a host of other executives. And just, it goes to that story I told you last week about uh, um, Bernie Ebers holding up the books. Of MCI WorldCom at a prayer breakfast, saying, "Well, it's in Jesus's hands. We just can't figure out what the hell's wrong with our financials."
0: <laughs> Chainsaw Al
1: Dunlap, by the way, in that book, and they they had the the uh, what do you call it the 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 direct uh, notes taken out of the the court hearings from the stenographer, the transcripts of there was a scene where uh, Chainsaw Al Dunlap, you know they called him Chainsaw. Because he would go through corporations and he'd buy out a company. He'd lay off huge numbers of people. And now that it's it's still barely operating, he reduced costs to considerable degrees. So the firm looked unnaturally profitable. And then he'd sell off pieces of it or whatever. But his personal behavior was unbelievable. And Dunlap, there's this scene where when his divorce with his wife was beginning, he started getting pissed off with the judge and others in the room and his lawyers like trying to get him under control. And he, he looks over at his soon to be ex-wife and says, I've always wondered, I've always wondered what human flesh tastes like. I wonder what you're going to taste like. And the judge like is banging his gavel saying, Mr. Dunlap you're in, you're in my court and we're taking transcripts of what you're saying. And Dunlap like looks at the judge and goes, screw you. Do you not understand who I am? I could take you out if I wanted to. Now, Chainsaw might be an extreme example, but but the intent is the same mm. with most of these people. So, you know, with Bill, there's not a, or terrible sorry, with Dr. Fauci, there's not a single university medical department who's received money who wants to see those funds dry up. Right. Um, and then thirdly, Fauci uses his carefully crafted cult of personality and methods of enforcement to prevent any form of criticism. Now, we have had some examples lately of TV interviewers going off script, which is kind of funny because he really starts getting agitated. And he probably also wants to know what human flesh tastes like at that moment. But for the most part, no one ever really asks Fauci deeply probing questions. And some of you were chatting here in the in the show. I've, you know, it's been said by many. I'm just repeating what's been said by many. Nobody even even the Pauls, even Ron Paul, Rand, Rand Paul can't afford to ask the question everybody wants to ask. How many patents do you have specifically with Moderna but other firms Dr. Fauci where you are personally benefiting and profiting from these inoculations and from other other things that are out there. Going going back to AZT and the the AIDS treatments because that's another part of the book is the parallels between Fauci and what happened with AIDS is one for one with what's going on right now. Now, there's there's some sidebars we need to consider, and I'm going to get into that now. When it comes to our current time and stuff out of the book, number one, this pandemic treaty we've been hearing about with the World Health Organization, there's a lot of chatter out there right now on that. If that measure passes, you better believe Bill Gates is going to benefit financially and from his span of power. There's just no way it's not going to happen because Bill has benefited from a number of things like this. What we do know from the language, what we can get out of that agreement, the Director General of the World Health Organization, if this passes, can declare a pandemic in any country they want and enforce the protocols of the agreement. That means national sovereignty just went right out the window. And this is what's going, you know, and again, got to read between the lines. There's a lot of folks we've seen out there commenting, even in in the alternative space, who've been making comments about, well, uh, and yes, the smallpox. <laughs> oh, we got monkeypox now. Monkeypox. 3.0. You heard that, w, you heard that
0: uh, WEF and uh, the
1: WHO have merged. Is that actually straight up?
0: Yes, the new organization that is combined between the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization is called WTF.
1: You got me there. Uh, Texas, Texas' Tom Payne, th- thank you for that. Uh, and I don't take that lightly about the miscarriages because that's one of those data points folks are trying to trying to get to the bottom of. The other one that we won't know, quite frankly, for probably five years or more is Uh, There's no other way to say it. Uh, How many young people who got, and I'm speaking specifically to the Pfizer and the Moderna shots, but especially Pfizer, um, how many young people are now sterile uh, as a result of those shots? We we don't know. I don't even know, man. So so the topic at hand, the the agreement will allow the Director General of the World Health Organization to declare a pandemic in any country. Now, here is one of the things we have to think about. They can declare anything as a pandemic. Yep. So, what about gun violence, racism? That's why I had the little uh, comment there from the the mandatory corporate uh, diversity training. What happens if if the director general of the World Health Organization declares racism a pandemic in your country?
0: Yeah.
1: You know you that's got, you, got, you got to give up national rights. Right. There's there's a lot of unknowns there. And then the Gates and Fauci topic. Well, who's leading who? Fauci carved out his place in government. He's benefited handsomely in power, prestige, and money. Plus, the other thing is, 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 there's no other way for me to say it. Many of the techniques and methods Fauci used are very similar to a lot of other people in large organizations. One of the many, many things I've had to deal with in my life and stuff I've read into is sociopaths in the workplace. Um, there's a well-known... Um, medical professional, Dr. Doctor Hare, or Dr. Hari, H-A-R-R-E. He's the guy who originally put together the diagnostic statistical model that's used to determine what sort of mental illness might you have. Unfortunately, his work has been screwed with. But he's written a number of books to help people dealing with certain sociopathic personalities in the workplace. And one of the comments uh, Dr. Hare and others have said for years is, the larger your organization the more bureaucratic most likely it will be. It it has to be because in order to run a very, very large organization, you got to have a lot of repeatable and consistent rules and procedures. Sociopathic people love organizations with a lot of rules because it provides very strong uh, boundaries that help them to understand how they can bypass the system. So that's true of a lot of these senior executives, whether in the commercial government space, and Fauci certainly is an excellent example. Now, he's a big gear in the machine, But Fauci's not in charge. And nor, for that matter, do I believe Gates is in charge. But Gates is a much bigger gear because, as we know, Gates has been involved with not just Fauci but also Epstein. And it's interesting to note that if you look at the historical track record of how Gates met Fauci, which is in the book, and how Gates met Epstein, which is not in the book but we've covered here on the show, I'm sure both Epstein and Fauci, when they finally met Bill Gates, I wouldn't say were in awe but kind of it reinforced their ego of, yes, I've reached this point in life where now someone like Bill Gates wants to work with me. And it's like, no, you're being handled like an intelligence operation. So the other thing that we have to, to talk about is the harm. And I've kind of alluded to this. Is the harm from inoculations just a byproduct of money by any means, or is there more going on? Now, as a historical reference, when they sold leaded gasoline in the United States and worldwide. Many researchers now say the side effects probably killed as many people as war, the dangers that were caused by us using leaded gasoline in, in vehicle engines. The awareness of the harm leaded gasoline caused was known early on, but why'd they keep selling it? Well, it was the usual. There would be scandals, lost revenue, the need to rework most combustion engines to operate on lead-free fuel without damaging the engine, and the list goes on. We have to, this is, and this is beyond my purview, but we've got to look at the data and see what the data tells us about the harm from the inoculations. Is this an unfortunate byproduct or is there more going on here? Now, the homework assignment for all of you is this the moves to control public health in the United States now globally can be traced back to the 1900s, if not before. And it's proved insanely profitable for many involved in it. The starting point could even be Cecil Rhodes and several British societies, but that's a bigger topic for another time, and certainly Matthew Aritz covered, covered that in depth. That, that may even be an opportunity for Matthew and I to do a double header. We'll see. Here's the problem. Is this about making money through the use of the medical industry? Well, let's look at the opiate crisis. Not a single major firm's leader or board of directors have gone to jail or had to step down, nor has the government effectively changed anything. They literally pulled a Chinese opium war on the American people, profited, and went home without a scratch. Yep. So this isn't about money. Is this about control? Well, look at what Elon Musk is, is proving is the case about just Twitter as a single social media firm. The NSA and others have godlike control already. We even know that with Project Mockingbird and related with the CIA. So this isn't about control. Is it about population reduction? Well, the jury's out on that one. So the thing to think about is this is a multi-year plan unfolding before our eyes, and it includes medicine and technology, intelligence agencies, and I'm not kidding about the intelligence agency angle, that's provable, there's a mountain of detail on that, academia and the government. And during the last 20 years, Bill Gates has been manipulating people like Fauci and Epstein, and he and others have manipulated many powerful people on a grand scale, which requires a lot of management to do that. The questions are first, who's running Bill Gates the same way Lord Malcolm Brown runs Soros? Mm-hmm. Second, money, power, and control are not enough reason for what we have witnessed and what we've lived through. So, what's the end game? And third, to what degree, if any, is this a long-term plan hatched by U.S. intelligence as well as what is Israel's role? Now, remember, insiders in Washington, D.C., and especially U.S. intelligence, don't live in a world of mutual benefit. Matthew Ayer talks about this all the time, and it is unfortunate. They don't see the international economy and the international you know, body of countries as a mutual cooperative opportunity. They see it as a zero-sum game where the other guy must always lose. Now, there's many other questions I could ask or many other things I could leave you with, but those were the top three about about this. Um, The Kennedy book is good, but like a lot of things, um, that's why I'm glad we have us here at Rogue, there's a lot of things in Kennedy's book that if you had not read books like The Medusa File, if you had not read books like uh, the series um, Killing Uncle Sam and Killing the Planet. There's a lot of backstory about Rockefeller. There's a lot of backstory about other industrialists, uh, even Gates, that would be helpful, you know, to have that detail before you read uh, a book like Kennedy's. But, but his book certainly can stand uh, on its, on its own two feet. So that's what I had for, for this week. We went a little over. Uh, and then the Song of Resistance is already posted. It's a Klingon Warrior song in honor of Kalos. That's out on Discord. Epic. So with that, I'll open the open the floor to V and CJ. And CJ. CJ, again, good, good stuff from you this Wednesday. I've just, or whenever that was, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. no, thanks, I oh.
2: Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, good stuff this week. Um, no doubt, like when you look at the aspects of what they intended with the uh, the jab, uh yeah, I really think it falls back to in terms of really slowing down uh the, the population growth, uh also you know, weeding out a top tier of those who are dependent upon uh government services, uh Medicaid, Medicare. Uh, it, it and I think it, it's easy to put that out just primarily because when you look at the fact that illegal immigrants weren't even required. The undocumented t- We can't use it. Yes, in, yes. And undocumented the reason, persons. Yes. And the it's like age attracted individuals. Yes. And the reason, part the reason, why is because they want them to be able to reproduce, reproduce successfully. They want them to come to the United States, have five, six, eight, twelve, how many kids, right? That sounds like replacement where, theory. Where they can't be doing <laughs> that for primarily everyone else. It's just, it's just not fit. So, and again, the long-term health impacts I think are going to be measured for the next, you know, next several years. The other thing, very important that we need to keep our eye on, I, it's not going to get past the Senate. Uh, only one Republican voted in favor, so I think it's going to get shot down, but they did pass yesterday. I should have shared a link. They did pass the domestic terrorism bill, which really should scare everyone. Yeah. Uh, because the language within this bill that Congress passed literally doesn't define at all what a domestic terrorist or what is an extremist. So basically it greenlights the FBI to basically conduct you know, not there. We already know they have the surveillance programs, but just amplify that message to someone who may post something on social media, perhaps come to their house and knock on their door. So it did pass. uh Let's see here. 222 to 203. Uh, I don't think it'll get passed in the in the Senate. Uh, but, you know, just keep your eyes on that because, you know, you want to talk about the authoritarian and the the the, the march, the continued march to tyranny. There it is right there.
1: That's, yeah, so that's we go. All I have. We go full Australia if something like that passes, um, and also to some of you in the comment section here, Tika Boom. We go full
0: Australia. We're going to go full East Germany, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about well, Australia. Uh, well, but Australia went right past East Germany. There, you know, there's yeah. there's dead East Germans laying in their graves, going, "Wow, that would have been great if we had that kind of ability."
0: We're going to um, go full on Stasi.
1: T- t- tika Boom, your comment about Agenda 2030. I've I've said it here on our show a couple of times. I mean, you have to start with agenda 2030 and the year 2030 and work backward to where we are here in 2022. That's you're right. That is indeed where they're where they're uh, they're trying to get us. Well, it fits into their their they understand
2: with the green agenda that they have to slow down the consumerism, especially here in the West in the United States. You know, we've been afforded for way too long. You know, if you look at the the quality of life that we live, and you benchmark that across you know the globe, that's why people want to come here. There's no doubt about that. So they understand the new system. In their vision of of environmental concern, we're not going to be able to manufacture the good. We should be the the industrial implications that we're not going to be getting manufactured back. So it's it's to me i don't think it's really that complex i think it all fits into the narrative that they that they want and it falls back to curtailing humanity and bringing it back to certain certain numbers i think it's i think it's pretty clear at this point
1: there've always been people throughout human history even in the ancient world we see examples of the the ego and the lack of empathy and so on there've always been a desire for this kind of control the difference now is and when I say technology, I mean what we know as electronic technology as well as medical technology. The means now exists. So, as you know, as a living species, as a as a as a consciousness of all of us, I'm channeling my inner Jet Blake there. Um, we have to remain united on this. It's like I said, you know, the fo- the folks who run the the Covert Action Magazine. There's some folks on that. I think it's called the Liberty Network. That they're very left. I mean, but they're still kind of academic left who are part of the board of the people who authorize those articles. But I know their work. I know their stuff. And like I said, I did, You know, it's, it's a function of what. It's like I used to say, the argument in the United States I- example within our government between conservatives and liberals was basically how much government is enough, how much regulation is enough, how much can we let business do its thing until it starts having a, a disproportionate effect on society. It's not what we've got now, which are people who call themselves leftists but really aren't. But are the radicals who um, want to re- remake the entire system? That's that's a completely uh, different matter. And Texas Tom Paine, um, well, I'm not teasing you about me. Me and Matthew Arrett. for whatever it's worth, uh, Matthew Arrett and I actually do talk at least once a week. And I've sent Matthew, uh, uh, CG's got the article up there about the domestic terrorism bill. Um, Matthew and I talk once a week, and I actually have sent Matthew some some data points and some sources he he hadn't been aware for some of the work he and his wife are doing. Matthew also sends me stuff. So we, we do actually talk quite a bit. We just haven't been on the air together, which, which I don't know that we're ready for that yet. But...
0: I think you are. I think it's time to put you together with Eric.
1: So in, in future shows, I'm working on some lesser known things about uh, President Obama. Um, I've got a number of other, uh, websites oh, and tools, ho-
0: hold on, hold on. Now, 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 a couple of things about me that you might not know, apart from the fact that I like basketball and golf. I also play tennis. <laughs> Did you know that?
1: Yeah. A man, a man who disappeared after his presidency for a reason, um, I, we're going gonna... to the black white house. What do you think? Was right down the street, uh, shadow white house, shadow president. Hello we're going to we're going to cover some more about him um i've got some more websites we're going to cover and then a radical departure from my uh my normal stuff uh i guess i was motivated by some of the stuff that that jet blake's been doing on the show here of late and for those of you who may not have noticed jet now has his own his own uh, channel on our on our discord page um and i i alluded to this at the opening of the show um there's a number of authors out there dealing with a lot of, of shall we say, lost ancient history and so on that I've, I've reviewed for years. I've, I've gone to the Standing Stones in Scotland. I've gone to a number of sites in Mexico, Belize, Peru, uh, and even the mound sites, Cahokia in Illinois and a couple of the locations in Ohio. Uh, and I've been, been digging into that one for, for a long time. And there's some things that are uh, in our current world, uh, that I believe have a, uh, a, a direct correlation to what we're living through right now, that, that um, I was up last night till three in the morning typing up my draft uh, of that show. I've got about three and a half pages so far of, of content. So uh, definitely by next week or so. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna start dig, digging into that so i'm gonna i'm gonna be t- i'm gonna be taking us off road uh next week in a completely different kind of uh topic matter but it'll be no less interesting than some of the the other kind of craziness i've covered with all of you um v and cj any additional thoughts for this week before we wrap up no, no I'll make sure around. I already – yeah, good good exactly. stuff. I
2: got emails already for the request for Discord, so those that are listening in, um, I'll, as soon as we close out the stream, I'll, I'll get the link to, to Discord to you uh, shortly. So uh, appreciate the emails.
1: For those of you who may not have been on Discord for a while or uh, don't necessarily go there that often, um, really a lot going on out on those pages. Um, there's a lot of good detail there. Uh, I've had conversations with a number of you who have an interest in the COVID topic about getting on Franks. Um, Frank's uh, from our, our Frank from quite frankly, not the quite frankly in Canada that Matthew Earrett appeared on um, Frank's uh, discord page, which now is moving over to uh, a platform um, called gilded. Uh, Cause he's got some, Frank's got some strong concerns about how much longer we may be able to sustain the, the discord presence. We'll see, but there's some excellent content on both of those uh, discord sites we can grant you access to ours. You'll have to reach out to Frank from quite frankly, if you if you want access to his. Um, but uh, you can send me a private a private message, and I can I can maybe forward uh, your request over over to Frank if you want to get on his page as well. But there's some some excellent detail there. And remember, folks, the Discord page. If you go to the upper right hand corner, there's a search box. And it'll search all of the different channels, whether it's mine or the other topics we have on our Discord channel. If you're looking for certain certain detail, and especially the resources page, which has you know everything from uh, the stuff that Patrick Ryan has available about how to conduct certain research, what websites he uses, the list goes on. Um, you know, feel free to uh, uh, do some kind of open ended searches and then kind of narrow down what you're looking for. There is. Now that it's been out there for a year and change, the the Rogue News Discord site is just—I mean, beyond just commentary and memes and jokes and everybody making fun of stuff. If if you're lear- looking for certain articles or detail or data you need in your personal life about everything from farming to preparing for stuff to to uh, more detailed data on the COVID topic or what have you, there there is an immense amount of stuff on that Discord page. So so go go take a look. Absolutely.
0: And also, folks, uh, remember, uh, soon CJ and I will be starting our, our reverse coyote service. That is where we smuggle Americans into the Mexican border. Uh, that, that should be starting in two years' time. Uh, we we call it the, the, the Tequila Highway. That is code word. Uh, you heard about the uh, Underground Railroad. Well, this is the Tequila Highway. And again, this is CJ and V's reverse coyote service. CJ
1: is, and is Raven helping us with that? Possible. We,
0: we are, we're we're, we're talking <laughs> with quite a few people that are that are adept at this. See, do you want to make a quick comment on the reverse coyote service that we're going to offer?
2: Well, we're quickly getting bids from uh, U-Haul, uh, Pesty Trucks. Um, See, <laughs> you can't give out corporate sponsors like that. Um, we're, we're trying to deem the best, and you know, we're trying to make it comfortable too, and. They don't have a whole lot of outfits that are fitted with AC in the back of them, so we'll see. But Casper Mattress <laughs> is willing to donate mattresses <laughs> to us so we can throw them in the back of the U-Haul. Yeah.
0: Get a bunch yeah. of Americans together and then cross back into the Mexican border.
2: The uh, Goodyear rubber inner tubes is already done deal, so they're going to give us a discount on the uh, on the inner tube, so we'll there be you. good there. <laughs> You'll be able to float across the Rio Grande. <laughs> remember, folks, keep us in mind,
0: you know, the, our reverse Coyote service. And uh <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Anything else you guys want to cover? I'm good. Thanks. Right. I'm
1: good. Every, everybody have a really good good weekend and and uh keep the faith and don't don't get depressed by all of us. Yeah,
0: don't head to the bunkers with the cat food just yet, okay? I
1: I know Not we yet. I know we say this every week where it's like we've reached a new crescendo of craziness, but <sighs> you know, tell me about it. Whether it's the power grid or anything else, but just, you know, hang in there. I, I, every
0: day I wake up, I look in my mirror and I and I and I clench my sphincter. I'm like before I get a, before I crack open my computer and start looking at all the data out there. Jesus.
1: Well, and I've got I've got folks who, who text me on my phone that, that especially some of the folks I used to work with in, in government consulting and stuff where my phone will beep and it's like my first thought is, Man, I hope my kids are okay and then <laughs> I open it up and it's my my vision is no longer blurring and I'm looking at it and I see oh god man it's one of the guys I worked with in Washington shit it's three of them oh god you know it's like I can only imagine what's about to come across my screen oh and and uh, you know the other thing too is is uh, like the Telegram uh, tool I'm on Ryan Dawson's I was joking with V and CJ yesterday I'm on Ryan Dawson's Telegram channel and he had stuff from folks that are reporting on the things you don't hear. Right. Uh, out of Ukraine. And one of the things I shared with uh, V and CJ yesterday was uh, uh, Dawson posted a, a clip and some explanation of the, uh, it's known as an M777 uh, artillery piece. It's a 155 millimeter US made artillery gun. And a Ukrainian unit was operating about 10 or more of them uh, in in engagement with Russian forces. And it's, it's guns, you know, the United States gave to the Ukrainians. And the Russian forces launched a missile strike on the position and they damaged a gun or two uh, and caused some casualties. And so the Ukrainians grabbed all the guns and they pulled them into a forested area, but then consolidated all of the artillery into a single spot along with their personnel. And then after that happened, Russian artillery opened up and took out the entire, uh, the entire uh, artillery position as well as all the soldiers that were manning it. So, I'm not look again. I'm not looking for our fellow human beings to get to get killed wholesale here. Uh, we've had enough of that. But my point is, this nonsense about you know uh, Russia can't move forward. Russia's losing a lot of resources or what have you. Um, the amount of military hardware and the amount of resources getting chewed up in Ukraine on the U- Ukrainian side is is massive, immense. massive. And, I know V has seen it. I've seen it. Uh, there are various photos and stuff showing what appear to be well-known US military commanders from what are called the COCOMs, the code commands. I've talked about the structure of that group and how it works. You know, the mini, the mini Pentagons, the US Northcom, US Southcom, and so on. There, there have been what appear to be unproven. There appear what have appear to have been Eurocom and AFRICOM commanders who for whatever reason were on the ground in Ukraine and were at the the works at, at I'm going to mispronounce it. Uh, uh, Azza, uh, uh, yeah. And other sites who may have been taken prisoner. Now it is known, and this has been proven, there were some Canadian commanders that were captured in Ukraine and they were exchanged for prisoners between both sides. But, um, This is is what goes to the heart, folks, of what was going on in Lebanon back under uh, President Obama's administration, or former President Obama's administration, and Hillary Clinton's various mischief, where what was the real reason behind what happened in Libya with our embassy? Multiple special forces units from Europe were operating in Syria and captured a number of Iranian special forces commanders and others who were being interrogated down in Libya. That's why our embassy was hit. And this goes on. Our advisors are on the ground. Their advisors are on the ground. I mean, this is, this is just the state of, of <laughs> uh, third world warfare these days. Uh, why people that highly ranking were in Ukraine, either by America's military or others, I don't know. And again, some of these may be misinformation. Some of these may be real. But the point is, there continues to be some serious shit going down. The other thing, and I've mentioned this to V and CJ privately, if you know your history and you're familiar, and I don't think I've ever said this on a prior show, 1956, when the Hungarian people rose up against the Soviet Union, one of the reasons why the Soviet Union was able to reoccupy um, uh, uh, occupy uh, uh, Hungary as quickly as they did, the people of Hungary rose up and they provided immense resistance to Soviet forces and really tied down Soviet forces more than they thought they would. But one of the reasons why the Soviet Union could be as effective as they were in Hungary was is that they knew at the time of the uprising that most of Hungary's military were on maneuvers in a, in a particular area of the country. So when Russian forces came into Hungary in 1956, they basically bottled them up in that corner of the country so that they couldn't get involved and support the uprising in major cities like Budapest and other, other cities in Hungary. What has happened in Ukraine is almost exactly the same. Most of Ukraine's military forces are in a pocket, uh, keep me honest here, V, they're in a pocket in the southwestern part of the country. Correct. But they're, they're hemmed in, and they're cut off from other supplies. If Russia wanted to... And if they pulled together enough forces, they could go through there and just steamroller and kill everybody there. They would take some serious losses in doing so. But they could wipe out the entire remaining element of Ukraine's military. Instead, they've just been holding them boxed in and keep slowly wearing them down. Where we are right now is, is, is now Ukrainian forces, including the, the you know anti-Semite uh, neo-Nazi groups like the Azov oh, oh. and Dnieper battalions, These folks are all surrendering slowly, but they're surrendering, and they're continuing to surrender. So this is why we're seeing a lot more chatter going on and a lot more hand-wringing by Western European leaders, because Ukraine's military is getting worn down day by day. And as we've also said here on the show, I mean, it's rumor, but it's not so much rumor. Um, Zelensky is a prisoner to this situation. I mean, he was put into a position where he could become president of Ukraine, uh, it's not, you know, based on the coverage we had of our own elections here in the United States, it's, it's not unusual. Um, but he's in a tight spot. Um, he can't negotiate with Russia. He wants to, but his handlers and his bodyguards who are on the payroll of a certain intelligence agency won't let him. You've got uh, Igor Kolomoysky. we've covered him in detail, who was basically Zelensky's handler, among others. Um, he's in a lose-lose situation. Uh, whether he wants to sustain the integrity of ukraine as a country or not that's not his decision and so you know the other thing too is, is is there are rumors now that there's there's bordering on uprisings by ukrainian military forces against the government in kiev because they're they're being pushed into a situation that is unwinnable and they they want a negotiated solution with Russia. If they got to lose the the eastern part of the country, then that's what they're going to have to do to maintain the political integrity of Ukraine. But Zelensky's under pressure by quote-unquote others. And they're not going to they're not going to allow that. So we're just going to have to see see how this turns out and that kind of dovetails back into the whole Finland, Sweden thing and Turkey. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Velas
0: Awesome show, man. Lots you've covered, and uh, I think there's going to be even more next week because information is non-stop. It is ridiculous what's happening, and folks, we have fires and embers everywhere. Everywhere! So, stay cool, keep your powders dry, keep your wits about you, and uh, keep it locked right here at Rogue News. And uh, we'll be back next week. With that being said, enjoy your weekends. Thank you all for listening in.